What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you and your walk toward eternity. So here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode, and whatever your questions are, I will take and I will sit with them and I will pray with them and I will study, and then I'm going to try to respond in a way that's helpful for you. However, I cannot always promise you that my advice is going to be legit because I'm broken. I'm imperfect. I want to give you the freedom. If my advice is not helpful for you to become a saint, if my advice does not help you to grow in virtue, then I want to give you the freedom to reject it. Throw it in the trash. However, if my advice is helpful for you, though difficult potentially, I want to invite you to lean into it. Lean into Jesus and ask him for the grace to to be able to do that which he is inviting you to do in your walk with him. Here's how you uh, send me your questions. You hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're a first-time listener, please uh, comment and critique by sending me emails at that address. And also, don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, if this podcast is helpful for you, then it can also potentially be helpful for other people in their walk toward becoming the saints that God is calling them to be. Today's topics uh, for the show are really good. Uh, I feel like today's like a, a mom show almost, uh, or a parent show. So one is about children crying at mass. I get this all the time. Uh, another one is about Halloween and costumes and what's appropriate and what's not. And the other question is about how do I pick a maid of honor? Now, that, that's kind of tricky because you have your best friends, you have your family, you have your friends from high school, your friends from college, your friends from work. Who do you pick to be your maid of honor? And so those are some great, great, great questions, and we're going to jump into them in a bit. But before we get to those questions, I want to share with you a pretty amazing glory story that I heard this past week. My glory story for today's show is coming from actually one of my parishioners. So one of my parishioners, um, she had a family member who was recently ill in New Orleans. And so she went down to New Orleans to go pray with him. Uh, I believe he got bit by a mosquito. And uh, so he had something like West Nile. I'm not sure the exact details. But uh, yeah, so he was he was pretty, pretty bad. And so she went and she spent time with him in the hospital and began to pray over him with a relic of Blessed Francis Xavier Silos. And so she asked Blessed Francis Xavier Silos, for those of you who don't know, he's a big deal here in Louisiana. Um, he died a, quite, a, quite a long time ago. He's a redemptionist priest. But he was an awesome priest who had a short, short-lived experience in New Orleans, but had a great impact on the people there. Uh, and he's on the road to canonization. But long story short, she asked him specifically to go to Jesus with her um, for this particular person in her family. And uh, a few days later, the guy in her family who was who was doing pretty bad, he uh, he was sitting up in bed and he was doing really well. <laughs> and it was it was quite a miracle. And so I, I told her, I said, you need to call the Silo Shrine and report that because that might be the, the, the case for him. Because from what I understand, the thing that Silos died from, um, though it wasn't called West Nile back then, uh, their studies are something like that. I could be getting it all messed up, but basically, essentially, uh, it came from a mosquito bite. It was transmitted to him from mosquitoes or something like that. So wouldn't that be cool if this is the case that's going to 
um, show that he really is crying before the throne of God, like the book of Revelation talks about, uh, about some of the saints who have gone before us and our walk toward eternity. Kind of cool story. So that's a glory story, and it, uh, it's just really cool. Love the saints. Can't wait to be a saint. I pray, I hope, because I'm a sinner right now, but I want to be a saint. So, Silos, pray for me. Maybe I'll be your next miracle. Silos, pray for me to be holy. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, uh, now, before we get into the, today's topics, I have some uh, listener feedback. The first feedback comes from a, a young lady named Mindy, or I don't know if you're young at all. You might be a middle-aged woman. You might be a well-seasoned individual. Uh, so Mindy is your name, though. Mindy writes this. Your advice is phenomenal. I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning, and I'm blown away with how forthright the listeners are with their questions. You ain't lying, Mindy. They have some really good questions. The honesty and vulnerability they elicit is truly admirable. And it's a credit to you that they feel they can express that level of comfort with you. Ah, God bless you. In addition, just when I think the listener's question or issue doesn't pertain to me specifically, I find your little nuggets of wisdom applicable to some cross I didn't even know I was carrying. Your, your advice is good for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul and through it all. <laughs> I love that song. I like. I think Carrie Job has a really good version on YouTube of that song. It goes it goes so hard. I listen to that when I I'm in the shower in the morning. Not that you even asked that kind of question. <laughs> so she says you are remarkable. Well, I'm also a sinner, but I'm a remarkable sinner. Uh, thank you so much for your podcast. You are a true blessing to all of us. God bless you, Mindy. Please pray for me today. Our next feedback comes from anonymous. Anonymous says this, I feel like when you were reading the question from Marie, that it was my life story being told. I too did not have friends growing up and I'm in my 20s. I know the pain that can bring and the loneliness it can bring. I also have parents who say to me, why can't you be normal when I say I'm going to daily mass? I wanted Marie to know that she is not alone in what she's going through. I'm having counseling, which is so helpful to me. Shout out to all the good counselors out there. There's a stigma that is attached to counseling, but it's the best thing I could have done. Amen. 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 There's some really good counselors uh, here in the South as well. Uh, seeing the love and friendship that Jesus desires to give to me individually makes me feel so loved and special that I know I'm important and precious, even if others don't see it. That is so true. You, Anonymous, you are so loved. And if you weren't, you wouldn't be here. Like God created you because he loves you. He created you out of love. And, and you're the apple of his eye. And so I'm so grateful that through counseling and prayer, the Lord has been revealing to you just what a gift you are to him, which is the most important thing that we, could, uh, we can hope for, right? Uh, so praise Jesus Christ for that. All right, now let's go ahead and uh, get jumping into today's show. All right, our first question comes in from Kirsten Pina. I like that name, Pina, Pina. I hope I'm saying it right. Let me know if I'm saying it right. It has this P-E-N, has that thing over the end and an A, Pina, Pina, Pina. Kirsten, Kirsten, like Kirsten Dunst or Kirsten? Kirsten or Kirsten? Man, that's difficult. What a beautiful name, though. So Kirsten has a question about children at Mass. She says, I'm a fairly new listener to the podcast, and I'm really enjoying it. I appreciate your balance, lightheartedness, and seriousness as you navigate the faith for us. My question for you today is about children at Mass. My husband and I have two boys under two years old. Pray for us. Yeah, I bet that's a handful. 
Our oldest is not quite two, but I feel like he is fairly consistent at mass. Meltdowns occur, of course, but we can always make it through the mass. I try not to have high expectations for him due to his age, but he is very reverent for being so young. Praise God. We recently tried sitting in the pews at mass as opposed to the cry room. Although we made it through mass, it wasn't if it, it wasn't for frequent snacks, many shh, and high irritations on my part. We have not tried our parish's children's nursery yet, but it is a resource for us. Am I being selfish for wanting to place my oldest in the nursery for an hour so I can actually listen and participate in mass? Should we keep trying in the pews? I also don't want to distract other parishioners as they try to worship as well. As a priest, how do you feel about children in mass? What are your ideas for us? I feel like it is a weekly argument between my husband and I. I want to try the parish nursery and he wants to worship as a family. I appreciate his perspective and I feel selfish for wanting to get something out of mass as well. In contrast to my husband, I'm not a cradle Catholic. This could be why we differ on the subject. Should I just go on my own after we worship as a family? Whoa, Kirsten, Kirsten, that is a great, great, great question. And it's like one of those topics that always comes up, always comes up. Because there's some people who uh, who complain about kids crying at Mass. And there's some people who love kids crying at Mass because it shows that they're there and that it's a young church that is growing and young people are coming to, to worship together. And so uh, thank you so much for your question. So I spent some time praying with your question and also dialoguing with other uh, moms uh, who've been through what you are currently going through. And I think there's like, there's a lot of different things I want to say um, that I think might be helpful for you. First, I just want to say, God bless you for being a young mom. Uh, I recognize that as a young mom, two small children, uh, you don't really get a lot of time to yourself. Right? So a lot of your time is spent just giving to others. And you probably don't have a lot of time where you're receiving. So at the Mass, you do desire to, you go there for the, for the sacrifice of the Mass. You go there to worship the Father. But, I mean, at the same time, you do desire to receive from the Lord. And you're right. When, whenever you have your kids there and your baby is having a meltdown, it's very difficult for you to actually pay attention to uh, worship. Though the Catechism does say that we're called to bring all of our, like, as a baptized Christian, you are a baptized priest, and priests offer sacrifices. So that could be your sacrifice that you're offering up, as you're offering up in worship uh, the fact that it's a very distracted season of your life. However, sometimes that lack of focus also might limit your, your capacity to, to worship well. And so I just want to let you know there's nothing intrinsically wrong about a nursery, right? So if that will help you to worship the Father, then I really want to encourage you to be able to use that as a resource. Um, I, I know a lot of uh, single-parent families um, have been helped by nurseries um, throughout the years, and so it could also be be helpful for you. And so maybe you can work in time throughout the week as well, though. So um, as a mom, you, you don't have so much time to receive. So maybe have a conversation with your husband and say, "Look, I really want to receive from the Lord, and so like once a week, I need you to just watch both the kids for an hour. Once a week, just one hour. You take both of the babies." And I need an hour where I can go to Eucharistic Adoration and receive from the Lord there and adore the Lord there. I need an hour where I can pray my rosary, where I can go for a walk outside in nature, where I can spend some time with the scriptures and just receive the gift of Jesus. Just give me that one hour. And maybe that could be your hour receiving um, if you don't want to use the nursery, if you, if you and your husband decide that that's not best for your family. Um, but the cry room is always an option. Um, sometimes 
Babies at mass. Um, I, I love hearing babies cry at mass because it lets me know that they're, that they're there. Um, I think, though, if they are, like, screaming, like, for, like, 30 minutes straight, then it, if you have a cry room, it might be best to use the cry room. <laughs> Potentially that could help out. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, I was praying with your question, and I had an image in prayer of Jesus. And remember, the mass is the, is, is, is the, the, the once-and-for-all-time sacrifice of Calvary, of Jesus on the cross. And when he was on the cross in Jerusalem, uh, he had people there screaming and crying. And so I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding of what worship's all about. And especially in the Western world, we make it about comfort and we want to be comfortable for that one hour and we want to feel good for that one hour. And it's not about feeling good. It's not about being comfortable. We're going there to worship, worship God. It's about him. And whenever Jesus was on the cross 2,000 years ago, they had women screaming and crying. And I don't think Mary was like, excuse me, ladies, can you please go to the cry room? I am trying to be with my son here in his final moments before his death. Like, please go to the cry room. No, she like comforted them and there was a communal aspect. And I think that's how we should treat babies who cry at mass. Like allow them to help us to enter into Calvary and then enter into the communal aspect of worship of like, we're all a family. So if you see a mom with three kids and two of them having a meltdown, like why don't the person next to you like grab the baby and rock the baby? I mean, like some, like we should all be like all hands on deck to help each other enter into worship of, of God. And so, uh, yeah, what are some other options that you could do? Yeah, I mean, I think you could do that, which you mentioned as well, of going to Mass as a family, and then you go into an extra Mass by yourself if, if that would help you. Um, but, yeah, I just think that the, the the goal is to worship, to worship the Lord. And so uh, allow yourself to be a little uncomfortable, um, but also give yourself some space to to be able to be focused on on worship of the Father. So I felt like I was all over the place, but I had a whole bunch of points that may or may not have come together, but I think there might be a nugget or two in there that could be potentially helpful for for you. But yeah, as a priest, again, I love I love hearing kids at Mass. It brings me joy. Uh, and so don't ever worry about the priest. Uh, no, well, actually, I can't say that because there are some priests who might not like it. So <laughs> I don't care. So come to my church if you want with your crying baby. All right. <laughs> next question. Our next question uh, comes from Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, writes about the maid of honor. She said uh, this, what is the maid of honor's role in a Catholic wedding? I feel pressured to choose my sister to be the maid of honor for my wedding. I don't want this for several reasons. Number one, she does not support us waiting to have sex until marriage. Number two, she thinks having a wedding is a waste of time because we could be saving up for more important things, like having a house or other financial responsibilities. Number three, we do not have a virtuous relationship or any relationship for that matter. I feel prideful for not wanting to choose my sister. I don't want to come off as holier than thou, but I want someone who understands the gravity of the sacrament of marriage to be my maid of honor. What should I do? Great question, Elizabeth, but I think you already know the answer. Number one, you said that you feel pressured, right? You should never do anything under pressure. Love is a free gift. And so God does not force us. God does not impose anything on us. He only invites. He proposes the same way I'm sure your fiancé proposed to you. He didn't tell you, you have to marry me. Uh, you should not do anything out of pressure. And so you said it very clearly. You don't want her to be your maid of honor. So you don't have to choose her. I think the point is this. 
what is the purpose of a maid of honor? A maid of honor is an official witness. Like she's a witness to your sacrament, your sacrament of marriage. And clearly your sister does not have an understanding right now of what the sacrament is really all about. And so how can she authentically witness? How can she be an official witness for that, which she does not fully understand or even agree with? So I think what it comes down to is a conversation with her where you let her know that you love her, but also because you love her, you don't want to put her in a situation where she is officially witnessing something she does not believe in. You want her to be true to herself, and you don't want her to stand up in front of hundreds of people, family and friends, and lie and show her support for something that she does not, in fact, believe in. So, so in essence, you're protecting her. You're protecting her. And so you want to let her know that, per, that the person you want to choose is someone who believes not only in the day of the wedding, but who believes in the sacrament of marriage, who believes in the love that Jesus Christ has for the church, and who believes that the sacrament of marriage is a bridge to heaven. It's a pathway to heaven. And so I think if you just articulate that to your sister, that the reason why you're not asking her to be your maid of honor is because of your love for her and your desire for her not to be fake up there, I think she would understand. And she could still come to your wedding and participate in some capacity. But the maid of honor and like the best man are supposed to be official witnesses, not just people who we really like, but people who can actually witness. Like, I, I support your sacrament. I support uh, you loving each other with the love that Christ had for the church. And the love that Christ had for the church wasn't having sex outside of marriage. And it wasn't disregarding that, um, that awesome gift that he give, gave to the church. So I don't know. What do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice for Elizabeth? If you do, write me at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com and let me know. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question about Halloween. Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts, and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. That's askfrjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you can record a voice note. We can play it on the show. And also, please don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcasts that are out there. This helps people find out about the show. Okay, final question comes in from Jessica. Jessica, 
That's a that's a great name. I had a friend named Jessica growing up. So Halloween costumes. What are your views on Halloween costumes and dressing up? I have many family and friends no longer allowing their children to participate due to their past. They're announcing that the church members should not participate. I feel it's such a playful and fun holiday, bringing families and the community together. So in my heart, I don't see anything wrong with it. Jessica, that is a, a really good question. I'll just, off the, off the, I'll just jump off the bat and say, um, I've dressed up as Batman in recent years. So I have no problem with, with dressing up for, for Halloween. I, I think... What happened is this. In, in the 1980s, um, early 1980s, uh, Jack Chick began to sell anti-Catholic pamphlets and tracts. Um, and on Halloween, uh, a lot of people who, who purchased his anti-Catholic tracts and pamphlets, they would actually give them out to people who were trick-or-treating. Um, and in those tracts, he claimed many false things about the Catholic Church. He hated Catholics. But specifically, he also... Um, claimed a lot of falsehoods about Halloween. So there are a lot of our brothers and sisters of different um, Christian faith backgrounds who are our brothers and sisters by virtue of their baptism. We're all part of the same body of Christ. But because they've been influenced and informed by these lies, they believe things that are not true about Halloween. And and so, uh, yeah. So I think that that might be why some pastors tell their, their parishioners or their flock or congregation, don't do Halloween because it's a pagan it's a pagan festival in its origin, but in reality, it's actually not. Like once we know history, history actually changes everything. So it's actually Pope Gregory the Third, um, who on November first he made Halloween. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he made All Saints. <laughs> he made All Saints right the, uh, a feast day, and so uh, Halloween clearly is All Hallows. It's the Eve of All Hallows, right? So Halloween uh, comes before All Saints Day, and so. What happened historically with, with Halloween is, is originally young Catholic children would, would go house to house, um, and they would, would beg for what's called soul cakes. And soul cakes were like little treats in honor of their beloved family members who had passed away that they would then eat as a family. And as a family, as they would eat these cakes, they would together pray for their loved ones who have passed away. They would intercede for their loved ones who passed away to become saints, specifically um, if their loved ones were still in purgatory, right? Remember, purgatory is that phase of being purified as we enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's only two places you go when you die, heaven or hell. But if you go to heaven, uh, you typically go through purgatory, that, that period of being purified, because in the book of Revelation, John writes that nothing unclean can enter into heaven. And so our loved ones, as they are being purified, they, we just call it purgatory, right? It's a name we give it. Just like, but you know, the word purgatory is not in the Bible. I get that. But neither is the word trinity. The word trinity is not in the Bible. Yet how many of our brothers and sisters believe in the trinity? And that word is nowhere in the Bible. But the trinity is spoken of in the Bible, just like purgatory is spoken of in the Bible. Likewise, the word Bible is not in the Bible. So anyway, that's a whole other topic. But the point is, is that when we die, if we're going to heaven, we're purified, we're cleansed by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. He cleanses us and purifies us so that we can be perfect when we get to heaven. And so we don't know because it's outside of time how long that lasts. And so typically families would come together on the eve of All Saints Day and they would pray as a family, but only after the kids would go and get these little cakes. That's like a family thing to do. Over time, this practice clearly became commercialized, especially here in the good old U.S. of A., 
Uh, but that's where the kids going trick-or-treating came from. Now, then what about dressing up in costumes? Like, wh- what about that? So what should we feel about costumes and Halloween? Okay, before I get into what I think about that, funny story. Whenever I was in high school, <laughs> oh, goodness, this is terrible. Whenever I was in high school, I was dating this girl. <laughs> Jesus, take the will. Jesus, take the will. Hashtag Carrie Underwood, pray for us. So uh, I was dating this girl, and uh, <laughs> and she was just real hood. And I had a, I had a thing for hood girls back in the day. And uh, and it was my cousin and I. It was his first time meeting my, my this girl, and so... I uh, I was really excited for him to meet her because she was just a real cool, cool young lady. And so I went to go pick her up from her crib. <laughs> and she came out. It was Halloween. The, the day was Halloween. And she came out dressed as a, what's the most appropriate way to say this? She dressed as a woman of the night, if that makes sense. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so embarrassing. She came out in like some stilettos and a completely inappropriate outfit. And just shout out to all the women out there who don't understand Halloween is not the one time of year you can dress up um, like a woman of the night is the best way I'm going to put it. That, is, that should not be the thing that you do, all right? So uh, please don't do that to yourself or to others. That is not cool. But anyways, long story short, that's some of my family's first time meeting her, and it did not last for long, clearly. <laughs> it's like you, you, you cannot be wearing this outfit right now. Like, go put some clothes on, girl. So anyways... It, it didn't work out. And praise God, it didn't work out because I became a priest. So Jesus Christ, he, uh, Jesus did take the will. So tell Carrie Underwood, y'all might want to tag Carrie Underwood, let her know Jesus did take the will. And he drove me straight to the church and from the church to the seminary. So, but what about costumes though? So clearly like costumes um, are, are fine. Some people, uh, they are like uber, uber Catholic. And they're like, well, because it's the eve of All Saints Day, Halloween, All Hallows, right? So our kids are going to dress up as saints, which is totally cool. St. Francis, Mother Teresa, Pope John Paul II, uh, St. Peter. I mean, there's so many saints that can inspire us and motivate us in our walk toward eternity. It could be a great witness. I think that's totally cool. But also, we have to remember, All Saints Day celebrates all saints, not just saints who are canonized. There are a bunch of saints who are in heaven as saints who we do not know who they are. They've never been canonized, right? A person does not become a saint once they're canonized. They become a saint once they get to heaven. And so if anyone is in heaven, that includes doctors and firefighters and cops. I think that that's totally acceptable to dress up as them as well because we're honoring all saints. But then you'll notice that some people like, to, like me like to dress up as superheroes because, hey, you got to have an imagination. So Batman, Superman, Captain America, like that's super cool too. Then other people say, well, I'm going to dress up as a ghost. Well, we have to understand that the, the history of, of dressing up um, in, the, in the beginning was, again, people dressed up as saints because they recognize that many of their loved ones might be saints in heaven, including the people that have gone before us who help us. But they also dressed up as ghosts. And some people say, well, ghosts, see, that's bad. That's demonic. Not necessarily. No, not ne- we believe in ghosts. As Christians, we believe in ghosts. Ghosts are people, like, right, souls in purgatory, right? They're spirits, right? They're, they're souls. So we believe that, that, that they're there. And so some people would dress up as ghosts as well to remember those people in purgatory also. So there's the saints in heaven, include canonized saints, non-canonized saints. There's people in purgatory. And then some people dressed up as skeletons uh, because, again, the body and the soul have separated. And so it's no longer a person. It's just a corpse. Uh, so uh, just as you would 
have a ghost here. You'd have a skeleton there. It was all just for fun. Um, and then other people have made comments that I don't know how I feel about them, about like dressing up as the devil to mock the devil and show that, that Christ reigns over evil. I'm not too big on people dressing up as Satan uh, because I don't want to. I don't want to play with that. Right? I don't want to play with the devil. That's that's getting into some spiritual warfare things and then potentially inviting some things uh, that you don't want to invite into your life. So, I think dressing up is cool whenever you go door to door and with your family, of course. Uh, I think that I would not dress up as um, something scantily clad or something trashy. I think that's not appropriate ever. It's not, it's not okay for Halloween just because it's fun. It's not cool um, because we still have dignity as human beings. And I also don't think it's best to dress up as the demonic uh, because the demonic is, uh, I, I just don't think it's, it's um, healthy personally, right? The church doesn't have a specific teaching on this, but I don't think it's healthy uh, to, to go there and to, to start up that fight that you might lose. Uh, so yeah, Halloween is, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So I think it's good to know history. It's important to study history because once you study history, we'll recognize that there's a lot of these things that we do that actually have roots in uh, Christianity. And so it ain't as bad as some people try to make it out to be. You heard me. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's show. So regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. First one is the universal point about Halloween. History matters. So we should study history. History is super, super, super important. So learn your history, study church history, and everything else makes sense. This is also helpful not only for Halloween, but also for understanding uh, the church's teachings. Right? Whenever we try to do Sola Scriptura and have the Bible and read the Bible apart from history and not understand how the earliest Christians understood um, Jesus' teachings, then we get ourselves into a lot of trouble. That's why there's a new church popping up every single week, because a lot of people are isolating the scriptures from history. But once you read the scriptures in the context of the history in which they were written and the history in which they were put together by the Catholic Church uh, in the late 300s, um, then everything else will make sense. But whenever you isolate things apart from history, we are going to believe lies, and lies are not helpful for us. Lies come from the father of lies, and we know his name, El Diablo. Also, universal point about maid of honors at weddings, just make sure you pick people who are going to support your sacrament, your sacrament for a lifetime, right? Um, and so finally, universal point about kids crying at mass, uh, look, do what you got to do to worship the father, but also, also really um, recognize that kids crying at mass can help help us go deeper into the sacrifice that women were crying at Calvary. So the kids can bring us back to Calvary, right? Which is kind of cool. All right. That's the end of today's show. There's people making noise outside my studio. So I'm just going to end this with a quick prayer and I can't wait to talk to y'all next week. Let's pray a glory be in the name of the father and the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. All glory be to the father and the son and the Holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I cannot wait to walk with you all toward eternity next week. Please keep me in your prayers and don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes. Hit me up with your future questions. Ask Father Josh at EssentialPress.com. God bless and deuces.